Hello, everybody, and welcome to the American Shoreline Podcast. This is Peter Ravella, co-host of the show. And this is Tyler Beckingham, the other co-host. Climate change is all over the planet. It's the biggest issue many of us in the coastal uh, universe, coastal practitioners, think about day to day, Tyler. The federal government and the bipartisan infrastructure law passed last November about a trillion dollar investment in a variety of things, but substantial investments in climate change response, um, put $3 billion, almost $3 billion, $2.96 billion in new funding into my favorite federal agency, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. And that initiative, that funding is really going to boost uh, investments in coastal response and resiliency. And uh, we're dedicating a show today, Tyler, to, to uh, NOAA and climate change response. And uh, really looking forward to a great conversation in this two-part show today. Me too. It's a, it's a jam-packed episode, ladies and gentlemen. And boy, is this a fun thing to talk about. We're talking about our government's b- big-time response to climate change. Of course, the infrastructure bill... Uh, you know, it's been an ongoing joke, I think, right, that it was always infrastructure week in Washington and basically Mm -hmm. it meant that nothing happened. (laughs) And isn't this, you know, like how unique is this? We're talking about the generational investment that this bill will bring to the table, that it is bringing to the table now, right now. The, the, The investment is coming through the pipe. It is. And so we're going to get to explore that uh, from the highest levels of the National Ocean Service and down into some of the uh, various offices therein to see how these grant programs are actually fun- functioning. This is going to be a utilitarian show. It's also, I think it's going to be an upper because, come on, we're doing something about it. Uh, this is great. At 100%. Joining us today in this two-part show, first of all, is Nicole Boff, and she is the Assistant Administrator for Ocean Services and Coastal Zone Management at NOAA and a couple of the key program officers who are responsible for the distribution of the revenues made available in the bipartisan infrastructure law. Joelle Gore is the chief stewardship, chief of the stewardship division in the Office for Coastal Management. And also joining us in part two will be Kerry Robinson, the director of the Office of Habitat Conservation. Uh, three great professionals at the top of the best agency in the federal government. So really going to be a great show for the listeners out there. Keep track, folks. This is a money show. It's important you know what's going on, and we've got a great show to do it. Absolutely, Peter. Looking forward to part one coming right up with Nicole LaBeouf. But first, a quick word from our sponsors. The American Shoreline Podcast Network and Coastal News Today are brought to you by Geodynamics, an NV5 company specializing in providing accurate surveys of complex coastal environments worldwide. Driven by marine geology, coastal science, and remote sensing, our researchers use the latest technology to provide meticulous data products to support our clients and answer their toughest questions. Geodynamics carefully designs and executes a variety of hydrographic, geophysical, sub-bottom, and near-shore surveys using our fleet of customized vessels and sensor configuration. You can find us at nv5geospatial.com. Geodynamics, delivering solutions, improving lives. Be sure to subscribe to the Coastal News Today Daily Blast newsletter for our latest updates from around the American shoreline. Like what you're hearing and want to support the network? Sponsorship packages are now available. Go to coastalnewstoday.com 
slash advertising to learn more. Well, welcome to the American Shoreline podcast, Nicole. Such a great opportunity to speak with you again. Hello, Peter and Tyler. It's great to be with you today. Well, Nicole, it was back in November when Congress got its act together and passed the bipartisan infrastructure law, more than a trillion dollars in investment in the American economy and substantial new revenues for NOAA, uh, almost $3 billion in funding. It must be exciting finally to have at your disposal the resources you need to execute the vision that the agency has. Absolutely. It is very exciting. And it's wonderful to be back on uh, the American Shoreline podcast um, and to be in company of folks who uh, share my belief that NOAA is uh, one of, if not the best federal agencies <laughs> in the U.S. government. I'm biased, but it's good I to am know too. That, yeah, it's good to know there's others out there that feel the same way. Um, with regard to the bipartisan infrastructure law, we truly believe it's going to transform uh, our work with and the coastal communities themselves. Um, and I'm really honored to uh, be here today to talk about that with you and how interconnected the various NOAA programs are um, in, in, in gearing up for uh, getting, getting these funds out the door. Um, these dollars are going to affect a wide range of NOAA's programs that are complementary to one, are complementary to one another including uh, programs related to habitat restoration, NOAA's predictive capabilities, and community uh, resilience and empowerment. And all of those really work together. So um, I'm excited to be here um, and to, to talk more about the bill. Well, we are just thrilled to have you, Nicole. And to, let's start off with, you know, we had the opportunity to talk with you back in, believe it or not, 2020, before the pandemic hit yeah. at the Social Coast Forum. And we had the pleasure of talking about, at the time, um, kind of the specter of climate change over our societies, particularly coastal communities. And um, you were, we were talking about kind of the, uh, the brave face, let's just say, that coastal professionals and people at NOAA who were studying this were kind of putting on in anticipation of the adaptation to come. Um, and now we have this investment in the adaptation. Um, can you talk through that delta that is has happened since the passage of the Bipartisan Infrastructure Act and how it's actually going to affect American lives? I'm very happy to. So the Bipartisan Infrastructure Law uh, is super important, and I'll just start with the word bipartisan. Uh, NOAA and its partners on the ground are trusted resources, not just for information, but for helping to guide coastal communities and communities around the Great Lakes um, in understanding uh, the science they need and in, in, in making good decisions about uh, the future of planning and um, what is best for those communities. To have bipartisan support in such a, a public and transformational way, um, in some ways is not new. NOAA works um, on, on a, I'll say a nonpartisan basis with all members of Congress, but this in particular acknowledges that we've got to really focus uh, on these parts of the country. We've talked before, like you said, back in 2020, where we talked about how 40% of Americans live in a coastal county. Those numbers are rising. Um, and with this uh, bipartisan infrastructure law, we acknowledge the immediacy of the change along the coast of climate change and the fact that even though we might think that it's just wealthy people that live along the coast, it's not. 
Um, there's a lot of rural communities, underserved communities, a wide range of folks from the Texas Gulf Coast where I'm from to uh, Matthew, Virginia, um, up here closer to where I live today, where folks really need um, to take a look at the changes around them and chart their own course forward. And this uh, infrastructure law allows us to do that in a way that really acknowledges a, a broader definition of infrastructure, uh, takes serious our resilience and adaptation to climate change, and honestly creates jobs and helps Americans stay competitive in the face of so much change. Well, from uh, <clears throat> from from one uh, sea Aggie to another, I think uh, Nicole, I had to mention it. <laughs> there we both is. are the awesome. graduates awesome. of Texas A&M University at Galveston, uh, great school on the Texas Gulf Coast, and uh, uh, one of the many uh, fine institutions that are uh, dedicated to coastal science and engineering. Uh, when you look at the statute and the funding that's been made available um, to NOAA. Um, what, is, what is most exciting to you in this expansion of uh, revenue? What, what do you think is going to be uh, among the powerful changes that this investment will, will bring? Yeah, great question. And, and, and there's really several aspects of that. We keep using the word transformational or the phrase, you know, uh, once in a generation. I, I believe these dollars will be transformational. I hope they are not uh, once in a generation. The transformational aspect um, is, is multifold in itself. One, you know, as I said, NOAA and its partners in the states and local communities and the academic community, uh, we are trusted on the ground. Folks are aware of us. Communities know that they can come to us as a resource. But what we've not been able to do is extend a hand a bit further not only in our own uh, technical capacity offering to those folks, like at a higher level, um, we've also not been able to conduct as many or as large uh, projects. And what I hope um, is one of the foundational uh, shifts um, as these dollars get spent over time is that local communities themselves build capacity to apply for and to execute these dollars and have a seat at the table in the design and in the carrying out of the kinds of projects that are going to transform their communities so that they get to determine their own fate and how they adapt to climate change. And while we've done a good job of that um, over the course of our programs over the last several decades, these dollars will allow us to really take a concentrated look at that. And I'm hoping the dollars will continue. But even, you know, at the end of five years, if, if we go back to our previous funding levels, I truly hope and am confident that local communities will have raised their capacity to engage in these kind of activities and uh, set their own course. Yeah. Well, I think that that trust that communities uh, around the American shoreline have in NOAA is based on decades of experience with the agency uh, in the coastal zone management programs that you oversee. Uh, it really is a bottom-up programming where the federal government is imposing priorities but empowering uh, states and coastal communities to respond to the challenges in front of them. It's one of the great hallmarks of NOAA, and I think one of the reasons why it is a bar bipartisan uh, agency supported on both sides of the aisle. Uh, when you look at the coastal zone management programs, uh, there's substantial new funding in that area. I've got to think that the state coastal program management community uh, is very happy to see 
these new revenues coming their way. Yeah, I, you know, these, these uh, states have worked so hard um, at preparing communities for all kinds of change and multi-use of the ocean and coastal environments, but most states are doing that on a shoestring. Um, NOAA provides funding and we provide the technical capacity, but really um, having these dollars, which kind of go up in order of magnitude and are still a drop in the bucket of the demand uh, for this kind of work, uh, will allow states to, I think, up their game help us all be a bit more sophisticated in what we do together um, and to demonstrate to Congress and the American people more broadly that these kinds of projects are meaningful and impactful and are um, areas in which we must scale up if we are going to uh, meet the, the, tra- the challenges of climate change. I totally agree. And I, I think so much of this is like, we need to iterate, y'all. We need to do this a exactly. lot. And so... As uh, I liked that you uh, kind of challenged the kind of gener- once in a generation thing. It can't be once. We're gonna, we're we are going to need to double down, triple down, quadruple down, and continue to get better. Um, you know, one of my Peter. You know, I'm a I'm a World War II nerd, and I like to look at like that. Uh, it's incredible. You look at the aircraft, for example, at the beginning, like 39 mm-hmm. to 44. I mean, the technological, because of the amount of resources and obviously very important need to improve, uh, it's remarkable how much better we got at making those airplanes and how much better those airplanes were. And in a similar way, I think that our coastal zone management practices and our other resiliency practices that are going to be impacted by the infrastructure bill are not only going to be a double down on kind of the existing best practices, but it's these will actually change. Hopefully. I, I, I think yeah. they must. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, ha- I have to imagine just looking at the scale of the challenges ahead, Nicole, I just, I think that the, the evolution before us is, it's like, I don't know. I don't know exactly how to say that. It's kind of at this meta level, you know, like mm-hmm. coastal resiliency itself is, um, being invested in and is going to be trialed across America here. Um, and I do think we need more investment in the future. Do you, do you have a comment on that? Yeah, I think, I think you're absolutely right. Um, it's, it's easy enough and it's true to say that NOAA has been involved in this work for 50 years um, uh, with the advent of the Coastal Zone Management Act and, and other important legislation. But we've been operating um, at, a, at a smaller scale and the changes along the coast and the demand for this kind of work has, and the awareness of the need for this kind of work has just increased year after year after year. And so these, this increased uh, uh, funding is, is needed. It's like I said, we're the fun, <laughs> 10 times more funds could come to the agency and we would be able to spend them. But I think it's important to note that this is a, um, a vote of confidence, as you say, from the federal government and from, from uh, or for the federal government, from Congress and the American people that says, you know, if we just give you um, uh, another order of magnitude on these dollars, you'll be able to execute them well. And as you say to coastal resilience, you know, the National Ocean Service leads NOAA in coastal resilience, but resilience is something that many parts of NOAA contribute to and many parts of the federal and state agencies contribute to because resilience isn't just one thing. It's not one activity. Totally. These, these dollars are going to start um, very confident. They're going to start um, an effect of building one to another. Uh, we're going to be able to demonstrate how powerful they can be um, in creating jobs, in, in keeping coastal economies 
um, on the right track in the face of all this change. And let me just give a, a sense of that change. And you know this, and this was just in the news uh, last week, but NOAA and other federal agencies are really beginning to get their arms around uh, these uh, natural disasters. And NOAA leads the way in analyzing billion dollar disasters, for example. Um, and, and one of the, um, the conclusions we have come to um, over the last several years is that the days between, so the average time between billion dollar disasters in the United States has gone from 82 days in the 1980s to just 18 days wow. on average in recent years. The pace is quickening, right? Um, and I'll just I'll just give you one little snapshot. I was just a, a couple days ago. I was in the Texas Hill Country. I know that's not I know that's not coastal, but that's where you guys are um, yeah, in Austin. True. And it's hot, right? It's supposed to be hot in Austin in August, but it's really dry. Over ninety nine percent of the state of Texas is experiencing some form of drought right now, either the lowest level of drought, abnormally dry, or the most severe level of drought on mm -hmm. the U.S. Drought Monitor scale. That means that there's crop loss, extreme sensitive sensitivity to wildfires. Almost 23 million Texans right now live in drought-stricken areas. And my point is that you don't have to live along the coast to know that the climate is changing and that it's going to be impacting our, uh, our communities, but also our economy. You know, it might be tempting to say that the BIL, right, as we call the bipartisan infrastructure law, is just BIG spending, mm -mm. right? Yeah. But more frequent natural disasters from hurricanes to drought are costly to communities and businesses and are reminders. Now, every 18 days remind us that we are already paying for climate change. So we got to make an investment in um, our communities to help them plan for it in ways that they can be at the table and have a voice in. Uh, and I believe that um, this law is gonna help us go a long way in that. Fantastic, couldn't agree with you more. Uh, doing nothing is not cheap, I think. Exactly. Um, the no action alternative is very expensive. If we're not proactive in responding to this challenge, uh, it's not as if we're going to save money. What we're going to do is waste more money and experience more damage. Uh, NOAA is, I think, about 12,000 employees, I think an annual budget of about $6.9 billion. Uh, the investment from the bipartisan infrastructure law, $3 billion. What a huge uh, vote of confidence from Congress and the agency. Um, a couple of things, Nicole, just for the listeners out there. Um, over the next five years, the Climate Ready Coast program, which will help coastal communities build the future they want to have, $1.467 billion over the next five years. Uh, climate data and services, which is really about understanding the challenges ahead, $904 million over the next five years. And the fisheries and protected resources investment, almost $600 million over the next five years. And uh, so sharpen your pencils, everyone. Yes, it's time. <laughs> right. And a lot of these funds are going to be made available to uh, NOAA's partners at the state and local level through a variety of grant programs. Uh, Nicole, how to uh, coastal practitioners, coastal communities, coastal stakeholders uh, learn about the opportunities that these new revenues make available? 
It's a great question and it's a real practical question. So uh, you can essentially go online and search for NOAA infrastructure law, NOAA climate ready coasts, um, NOAA restoration grants, and uh, those uh, notices of funding opportunity will pop right up. Um, there is a website that aggregates all those together and we've made it um, very easy to find, like I said, through your, your favorite search engine. And w one of the, well, several of the characteristics of these opportunities are somewhat novel, not just are the dollars larger and the potential, in, in some cases, the projects larger, um, but some cases those projects are smaller and they are more accessible to underserved communities, to tribal communities. There are dollars uh, set aside for actual community engagement and planning, which is absolutely critical. This is where Noah's heart really is, is it asking communities, what do you want and need? But oftentimes federal grant programs only provide dollars for the project, not for the getting buy-in from the community and helping everybody come to the table. Several of these uh, funding opportunities allow explicitly for that or explicitly for uh, developing capacity in underserved communities or tribal communities. So it brings more people to the table um, in a way that is fundamentally built into uh, the funding, which is uh, so exciting for NOAA because we know that's what's needed. And we think that that's what's going to develop that long-term capacity in those communities. I can tell you, I just recently met with a group of uh, mayors that are concerned about flooding in their communities. They want practical solutions. They wanna be at the table. Um, they wanna know what's gonna happen here and now and how they can have a voice. And these are the kinds of opportunities that this law affords us that we haven't had um, in such an expansive way in the past. No doubt about it. It's and exciting. It, it's, it's exciting. It's exciting. Good and to see. It's absolutely uh, a major step forward, Peter, I have to say. I mean, I feel like this one has been, man, for those of us that follow this and, and pay close attention to the American shoreline, uh, we, we've, I, I, as I said in segment two, it's oxygen in the system. We have been like in this oxygen deprived environment, the scale of the task at hand versus the amount of yeah. oxygen in our system to execute that was, we were at a deficit. And these investments, I'm not saying they put us in, in enough oxygen, but there is a little oxygen in the system and it's extremely exciting to see things kick into gear. And what I wanted to say, Nicole, is we are celebrating the CZMA at 50 years uh, a, an incredible piece of legislation that lives on in this bill and beyond. And I would love to get your comment on the CZMA at 50 and, and how you see this investment carrying uh, the Coastal Zone Management Act forward. That's a wonderful question. So I think, you know, uh, throughout the five decades, a lot has changed. The Coastal Zone Management Act um, really has some forward-leaning language in it. It also uh, has a practical language about how NOAA is to work with states and coastal communities and Great Lakes communities. And I would say for those who have been working in this space, the practitioners for all this time, we're used to it dealing with change. We're used to it adaptation. Um, and we thought this was the work, right? This is the totality of the work. 
And what I am looking um, forward to in, in the execution of these new larger pots of money is to saying, you know what, that has been the work, but it has also been proof of concept. It has been proof of concept because we've demonstrated we can be trusted. We've demonstrated that we can execute these dollars on behalf of the American people in a sound and inclusive way. It is proof of concept in that we want to empower the local communities to do what they want to do in their backyards and not what the federal government tells them. So now that we've executed 50 years of proof of concept, Congress has said, yeah, okay, <laughs> let's take that up a notch, right? Yeah. And I consider the next five years that next proof of concept, right? Yeah. That NOAA can scale up, that our partners can scale up, that coastal communities are going to get what they want and need. And I'm hoping that around year three or so, right, we'll be able to demonstrate this higher level proof of concept. Um, and as the as the changes continue to occur, that Congress and the American people once again say, yes, these, these are dollars well spent. Oh, I, 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 so, I yeah. so second that. And yeah. what, what we're talking about is a metamorphosis, exactly. a transition from, uh, <clears throat> and th these are my words, y'all, but th as climate change impacts us, NOAA and the, and the federal agencies are going to need to adapt and change as well. Huh. And, yeah. and this is going to oh, be a new, a new phase of life for uh, these agencies that are charged with not only the scientific understanding of our planet and our oceans and coasts, but also for regulating and keeping uh, humanity within a, a, the bounds of acceptability so that we can survive and thrive and, and live the lives that we want to live. It looks like we're in the game finally. I think we're in the <clears> game. After 50 years. Now, I would say, you know, 1972, <laughs> hell of a year, because not only the CZMA, but the Clean Water Act does. This is the 50th anniversary. It's a long of, game. I'll, it was, I'll a, it was a good year, 1972, for environmental legislation. Uh, Nicole, it's such a thrill to see the agency uh, gain the, the, the support uh, that I think is, is, is well-earned. Uh, over the many years of operations of the agency, uh, such a thrill to see. Uh, we're excited about tracking uh, how the agency uh, distributes the funds and what the state and local partners uh, do with this revenue. I think uh, there's reasons to be optimistic. As you say, it's a, the proof of concept is well-grounded. And uh, so we're really excited to, to follow this on Coastal News Today and on the American Shoreline Podcast Network. And I hope that you can come back and visit us a little bit occasionally and give us an update on how things are going and, and what our listeners can do to help. Absolutely. Peter and Tyler, I'm so happy to have been able to be on the show with you today. And please do check back in with us as, um, as the backhoes are in the field, as the shovels are digging, as the plants are being planted, as, as we're putting people to work on these projects. Uh, please do check back in. I'd love to tell you a bit about some of the specific activities that these dollars are going to and how communities are benefiting. We promise to do that. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, it is Nicole LaBeouf. She is the Assistant Administrator for Ocean Services and Coastal Zone Management at what I am going to say absolutely is the best agency in the federal government, uh, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. Nicole, thank you for checking in with our listeners on the American Shoreline Podcast, and we sure look uh, forward to uh, tracking the efforts ahead. Excellent. Great to be with you. And stick around for part two coming right up. 
And joining us now on the second half of our great show today, Tyler focused on the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration budget and in particular the bipartisan infrastructure bill, uh, which we've learned so much about with Nicole LaBeouf and so glad to now get into the program level details. Uh, Tyler, there's some important things uh, coastal communities around the country need to learn. So I'm really looking forward to part two. Absolutely, Peter. We've got two killer guests here to bring us into the, some more of the specifics of the infrastructure bill in NOAA. Joining us on the second half of this special edition of the American Shoreline podcast is Joelle Gore. She is the chief of the stewardship division in the Office for Coastal Management and Carrie Robinson, the director of the Office of Habitat Conservation at NOAA. Two of the professionals leading key program areas at the agency. Uh, welcome to the American Shoreline Podcast, uh, Joelle and Carrie. Thank you. Nice to be here. It's wonderful to be here with you. Well, uh, Joelle Gore, I'd like to start with you. Can you introduce yourself to our audience and tell us a little bit about what you do at NOAA? Absolutely happy to. Again, uh, my name is Joelle Gore, and I work in an office in NOAA called the Office for Coastal Management. And we work with our coastal zone management partners uh, across the nation and in our U.S. territories. Um, the Coastal Zone Management Act is a law that Congress passed in 1972, set up the opportunity to develop long-term comprehensive programs in our coastal areas and Great Lake areas around the nation. And so we have the privilege of working with those state partners as well as working with partners in long-term areas for research and education that have been set up under the Coastal Zone Management Act called the National Estuarine Research Reserves. So happy to be here, happy to have a career with uh, these incredible state partners that we've got around our coastal states and U.S. territories, and uh, happy to talk with you more about the bipartisan infrastructure law and its funding. Well, thank you, Joelle. Uh, as a former uh, state coastal uh, management program director down here in Texas, uh, NOAA's work uh, under the Coastal Zone Management Act has been absolutely incredible over the 50 years. Tyler, did you recall we're in the 50th anniversary That's of the Coastal right. Zone Management the Act CCMA this year? at 50. CCMA right now. And so much to look forward to, uh, Joelle and uh Gets Hope. better every year, you know. It's yeah, like fine wine. Well, and this new investment's really going to help as well. Carrie Robinson, uh, please introduce yourself to our audience and tell us about your position at NOAA. Sure. Uh, as you said, my name is Carrie Robinson, and I'm the director of the Office of Habitat Conservation, and we are located within NOAA Fisheries um, at NOAA. Um, and we have a long history of doing habitat restoration. Um, and we have both large scale competitive funding opportunities, um, but we also provide expert technical assistance through our community based restoration program around the country. Well, it's a big it's a big year at NOAA. Uh, in November of last year, November 2021, Congress passed the bipartisan infrastructure law, more than a trillion dollars in investment, including three billion dollars in new funding for NOAA, an incredible investment and a necessary investment uh, in our coastal infrastructure and coastal communities and coastal habitat. 
Uh, Tyler and I were doing a little bit of the math in advance. About 0.3% of the infrastructure funding is going to NOAA. Left me wanting a bigger slice of the pie. Yeah, I think we just want to make sure people understand. This is an important investment that's being made in NOAA, but it is still modest. It was, uh, first of all, I had to Google how many zeros are on a trillion. Uh, it's, which it's a, because I have, I don't think I've ever written that one out, <laughs> it's a but lot. it's 12. <laughs> it's well, Joel, if you wouldn't mind as the chief of the stewardship division, uh, tell us what the infrastructure law means for the work that you do and the opportunities it presents for coastal communities around the country. Absolutely happy to just an incredible opportunity and, and such an important investment in our coastal communities, the funding that that we will be executing um, that has been provided under the bipartisan infrastructure law. Um, For coastal zone management programs, again, these are programs that have been supported and approved under the Coastal Zone Management Act, the CZMA. Um, There will be $207 million over five years invested directly with coastal zone management programs. You know, the the CZM programs um, have done uh, a lot of planning for restoration, a lot of um, coordination across uh, partners and and within uh, uh, other state agencies or partnering with other state agencies to do a lot of the prioritization and planning work. But this is a whole different level of funding that allows them to, again, work work in their programs and with partners, including local governments, uh, tribal governments, to invest in restoration, in um, the work needed to get to implementation of restoration projects. Uh, I'm talking about planning, engineering, and design, and also land conservation, um, acquisition of land, conservation easements, investment in conservation easements as well. Um, so, uh, in- incredibly excited. Likewise, there is funding going to the National Estuarine Research Reserves. We've got 30 reserves around the nation. We just designated this past January in 2022, a new reserve in Connecticut, bringing the entire system to 30 reserves. We have $77 million, um, that will be invested over five years with the National Estuarine Research Reserves for, again, restoration funding, um, uh, planning, engineering, and design, and land uh, conservation acquisition within those reserve priority watersheds. So an incredible opportunity for our CZMA partners in the states, and uh, very happy to be working with them and um, helping execute this funding in a way that will help our coastal communities. Uh, Carrie, I, I want to get to uh, your side of things in just a second, but Joelle, I, I, I just want to follow up quickly on kind of, I, I would love to know more about how we go from the big bill and NOAA's allocation to this amazing, you know, specificity into these programs. And, and uh, you know, just it, it, it strikes me that, you know, for example, the, the nearest program, Peter, we love. We love the National Estuarine Research Reserve system. And it's just so amazing that this system is exists. It's that you want to talk about infrastructure. That system is a piece of infrastructure. Mm -hmm. And and this bill has invested in it specifically. And I guess my question, Joelle, is did the bill like single out 
the NEARS program? Or did you and your team um, kind of allocate the funding? How, did, how does that work? Um, the bill actually singled out both the Coastal Zone Management Program and the Nationally, National Estuarine Research Reserve Program. Congress um, uh, articulated that in the bill specifically. I think they really saw these two programs as long-term um, uh, programs that are ready and, and have the ability and um, um, uh, competency um, to uh, continue these kinds of investments. And what we were needing and looking for is, again, this once in a generation level of funding um, to uh, use these programs, to partner with these programs, uh, to make these uh, very important investments. Well, it's not an easy time up on Capitol Hill. Uh, there's some differences of opinion around the country when it comes to priorities and spending. Uh, the bipartisan infrastructure law was such a great accomplishment for the Biden administration and for all of the uh, supporters in Congress, in the Senate, in the House. Uh, Carrie, when you're looking at your programs in the Office of Habitat Converse Conservation, uh, what are you excited about uh, that the infrastructure uh, law uh, allows you to do now? What, uh, what, what are you looking forward to with the new funding that you've received in your program area? Oh my goodness, I could talk for hours answering that question. Um, this really is um, once in a generation opportunity um, to do the big things we've always dreamed about doing um, within NOAA, but also with all of our partners um, uh, across the coast. Um, we all have those projects um, that we've wanted to do um, and just haven't had the resources to get to them, and now we do. Um, we have, you know, more resources than we've ever had before um, to tackle some of those wow. really big projects. What are the areas of uh, emphasis? Do you think in the execution and the implementation of the law under the new funding strategy that uh, Congress has set up for you, uh, are there broad subject areas, carry it, that you feel the investments are likely to go, or uh, that you feel are most in need? So the Office of Habitat is responsible for executing two of the provisions um, in, um, in the Infrastructure Act. And um, one is focused on fish passage, and the other is focused on habitat restoration. Um, I'm going to focus a little bit on the habitat restoration, because I think for this audience, that's probably the most interesting. So we have $491 million um, over five years that will be going towards large scale habitat restoration projects. Um, this funding opportunity is um, uh, really broad in who can apply and put an application in for these funds. So it's pretty much anybody who isn't um, a federal partner. So all of anyone who's not a federal partner can apply for these funds. Um, wow. And we are looking for um, uh, project habitat restoration project ideas that restore marine, estuarine, coastal, Great Lakes e ecosystems. We're looking for projects that enhance the resilience of our coastal communities and our coastal ecosystems. So it's quite broad what we're looking for. Um, and we're really, really excited to see what our partners propose. 
Well, that's the big thing. Uh, coastal uh, programs and projects are not inexpensive. These are complex projects with uh, multiple implications, economically, environmentally. Uh, and tell us about the, uh, the application process. I understand it is currently open carry. Uh, you mentioned that the aperture for applicants is very broad here uh, and uh, open to a lot of different uh, uh, initiatives. Um, give us a little bit more detail of how the program uh, application process is going, the timing, uh, what the spending limits are. Uh, fill us in a little bit. Help our, help our audience understand the program available. Absolutely. So we are going, um, we have four different funding opportunities open um, in my office, um, but I'm going to focus on two. Um, and the first one is called our Transformational Habitat Restoration and Coastal Resilience Funding Opportunity. So this is for projects um, that restore habitat for our nation's fisheries um, and endangered species while also strengthening the resilience of our coastal communities and ecosystems. Um, we are looking for projects that have really holistic benefits. Um, we have up to $85 million available this first year. We are looking for projects anywhere between 1 million and 15 million over the award period. Um, the deadline for that um, is September 6th. Okay. And as I said, our eligible applicants are all of our non-federal partners. We, All right, all you city and county folks along the American shoreline and stakeholders and advocacy groups out there, this is a great opportunity, September 6th no deadline. Kidding. Wow. A million to $15 million project opportunities. Uh, that's a spectacular. This is, this is $85 yeah. million in year one. In year one. So that means, in ladies and gen gentlemen, if you don't have a... A, a project in mind right away. Just just put this away in your back pocket because uh, your this program coming. is 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 pumping. Yeah, as the surfers say. <laughs> Joel, give us an overview of the granting opportunities currently open or soon to be open for going into next year in the uh, in in the stewardship division. Yeah, you bet. Um, again, we have got. Um, uh, two funding opportunities, uh, one specific to the coastal zone management programs, another specific to the National Estuarine Research Reserves. Mm. I will say at the top here, um, we uh, put out our funding opportunity notice um, back in late June, and the closing date, the deadline for letters of intent was in late July. So um, what I'm about to share is um, in reference to this year's funding. Um, but of course, uh, we'll be looking forward to a similar opportunity in fiscal year 23. Um, so for the coastal management programs, we have um, Again, projects that are looking at uh, restoration, um, that shovel in the ground work um, to uh, enhance coastal ecosystems, uh, uh, restore hydrological connections, that kind of work. Um, and looking at project ranges for the Coastal Zone Management Program from two to six million dollars. Again, CZM programs have been involved in this 
uh, type of effort and work. Um, they've even used CZM dollars to um, implement restoration projects, but the scale that we're looking at here is incredibly different. It just, it's, it, you just can't compare it um, to what we've been able to do under um, the, the CZMA over the long term. Yeah. Likewise, um, in for the National Estuarine Research Reserves, um, looking at projects in the one to $4 million range. Um, and again, uh, the scale of this effort uh, doesn't compare um, to what uh, reserves have been able to do uh, with their operational funding under the CCMA. Well, I think it, the good news is, I think, for the American public is uh, Congress now and the administration are getting serious about the climate challenges presented for communities all around the country, but particularly on our, on our coasts and along our shorelines. Uh, I always like to say, if you want to understand climate change, look in the water. Uh, if you want to see where the implications are uh, most dramatically, most vividly, uh, look at what's happening in coastal communities and fisheries uh, around the world, but particularly in the U.S. Uh, so the good news is, we're getting serious about the climate change crisis and the challenge. Uh, when uh, when the bill was being prepared, I would imagine uh, the administrator, Dr. Spinrad, was actively involved in the discussions uh, at the staff level and the program level. Uh, were you satisfied, uh, Carrie, with the outcome? Uh, was this the kind of funding that you were hoping Congress would provide? Uh, and Joelle, if you could also comment on the same thing, how, how was y'all's involvement in the process of putting this bill together? And uh, are you satisfied with the outcome? Well, I think, um, yes, there were a lot of conversations um, before the bill passed um, with um, congressional staff who were drafting the language. Um, but with also, also with our partners. Um, so I really want to thank all of our partners um, who um, went to the Hill and talked about the need um, for the kind of work we're gonna be able to fund under um, all of these different programs. They were really instrumental in talking about um, the demand for this kind of work um, and in securing this funding um, for all of these different proposals. So I really do appreciate everything that they did. Um, and we were really excited um, uh, by, by what we saw in the final language. Um, I do think that the demand overall exceeds even this historic investment. Um, so I know our partners um, uh, continue um, to highlight that um, for the Hill um, and uh, continue to talk about um, the need for coastal resilience projects um, across our country. Uh, Joelle, $207 million, you said, over five years going into the coastal zone management programs around the country, uh, a huge injection. Um, where do you think the needs are when you look at and talk with the coastal zone management staff uh, community around the U.S.? What's at the top of the list on their concerns these days? Oh, gosh. <laughs> is, um, that a, is, there, is that a summarizable <laughs> question? It might not that be. That is a big question indeed. Um, but, you know, uh, the impacts from climate, right? Whether it is 
um, dealing with um, erosion, um, finding ways to deal with the changes in marshes and allowing um, uh, a space for, for migration of our marsh systems that are in so important to uh, not only for um, all of the, the critters and species that rely on them, but also an incredible uh, sponges for the protection of our coastal communities. Um, and uh, knowing that uh, the complexity is, is going to continue to intensify. So, you know, being able to have um, this uh, uh, large investment, as Carrie said, it is, it's, 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 there's more out there. There's more need and challenge that, that we're going to continue uh, needing to address. And our coastal zone management partners are on those front lines. And um, so uh, again, in, incredible uh, gratitude and acknowledgement uh, to our coastal zone management programs and partners who are um, out there, um, you know, working to uh, problem solve some very complex issues um, for our coastal communities. You know, this, uh, Peter, since we've started doing this podcast and we've uh, been thinking about uh, the American shoreline, the oceans and coasts, and how it impacts the American people, we have been talking about climate change. We've been talking about a lot of inaction. The, in, in this bill, and in, in particular, the, this idea of infrastructure being habitat, this is natural-based infrastructure. This is so evolutionary, and I think really needs to be to highlight how important it is to have, A, these existing, you know, CZMA, Peter, 50 years old. I doubt in 1972 they thought that the CCMA would be on the front lines of climate change. Yeah, right. You know, that was not really conceptually there, but because this infrastructure, this bill piece of infrastructure, this legal piece of infrastructure exists, we were able to see it get funded. And I will point out that the term generational investment has been made. I think we're going to need three more of these, at least. I mean, we need this. This is the tip of the iceberg, at least in the coastal and ocean space. My, my Lord, Peter, the changes that are happening around the American shoreline right now are uh, are incredible to observe. I, 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 I'm not going to use judgmental language because it's not all negative or positive, but changes are occurring everywhere. And it is incredible to think about. NOAA is on the front line of this scientifically and it, it, with these projects in, in the change thing. So this brings me, I'm going to start here with Carrie. Let's talk a little bit about theory of change and the future. How will this infrastructure bill? And let's, let's say that this is not the end all be all. Let's just pretend that we get additional funding, but how will, how do you see these investments changing the future? Well, I want to talk about a couple different ways that I see um, this changing the future. So, so one, um, we are really excited to fund projects, and we call them multi-benefit projects, you know, those huge, large-scale projects um, that um, we see a lot of different benefits from. So, 
um, something like um, uh, restoring habitat for a fishery at the same time as you are restoring habitat to help recover an endangered species. At the same time as you are um, addressing a flooding issue for a coastal community um, that um, with sea level rise is seeing more and more flooding. So when we can, uh, we have the resources to fund those all across the country, all along our coastlines, those large scale habitat restoration projects that have all of those multiple benefits um, so that we have a more resilient coastal community and a more resilient coastal ecosystem on the other side. We've done some of that work. Um, we just haven't been able to do it all the places we want to do it. So this investment with the Infrastructure Act allows us to take a giant step in the right direction. Um, but as we've talked about, the demand for this, um, making our coastal communities and ecosystems more resilient um, is all along our coasts. Yeah, that's exciting. And, and uh, it's the one thing that we've all recognized, I think the people in the coastal community understand is uh, the problems along the coast are multifaceted. Uh, you can't stay in a silo and say what we're really thinking about is fisheries. You have to look at fisheries and economics. You have to look at, as you say, flooding, resiliency. All of these things are wrapped up because we're working in a geographic area, the land-water interface, where we demand as a public so many services, so much. We, we expect so much from our coastal areas and our coastal zones uh, that projects that can target multiple areas of benefit in single projects is the right way. It's exciting to see, uh, to see that continue, that focus. Uh, Joelle, when you're looking at your program area, uh, climate-ready coasts, I'm just looking at the major themes of the infrastructure bill. Uh, climate-ready coasts, $1.467 billion over five years. Climate data and services, $904 million over five years, uh, and then the fisheries and protected resources line item for $592 million over five years, substantial investments here. Do you expect to see the coastal zone management programs around the country evolve in their thinking and how they tackle these complex programs and the challenge of climate change now that there's this stronger financial there's some oxygen in the system there's some oxygen in the system a chance to think bigger and better i don't know let's uh, take a deep breath yeah joy what do you think that's a great way to put it oxygen in the system and it, and as carrie just said being able to invest in at this scale and tackle these projects multifaceted projects and in a multi-benefit way um is just an incredible opportunity. We received across the reserve and CZM um, opportunities, $222 million of requested funding. Um, I think we had um, uh, about um, 45 to $50 million across both programs, about $50 million across pro both programs um, available. So you can see um, they are ready, uh, but my point is, is that um, as we continue these investments over five years, we're going to be interested to see what the changes are in, in our program, uh, program's uh, approach, our, um, 
um, how we might look at what the needs of this investment are differently, not that it wouldn't change from, from restoration, it will stay pointed that way. But when we look at how we're framing this program in year one, and how we might frame it um, in the out years, we're leaving space, definitely leaving space for making adjustments along the way that best meet the needs of our partners. You know, we often talk about these investments um, as a pipeline of investments where you've got um, engagement, partner and community engagement in, at the front end, not necessarily with a project in mind, but looking at those needs and prioritization and the challenges that, that, that we have along our coast, and then getting to the point where we're engineering and designing and planning um, um, efforts and then actually doing the execution of the work of the restoration um, for uh, increasing resilience. Um, as Carrie again said, we've, we've got those needs. Those needs are out there. We're seeing those needs. We finally have the opportunity in an incredible way to invest in at a scale that we've never been able to um, invest in. And, um, but we also know that, that there are going to be some shifts and, 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 and things over time that we're going to need to pay attention to and uh, work with our partners and, and do our own thinking about um, how we execute this program and those slight tweaks, if you will, along the way that we might need um, to, to make sure things are, are hitting where they need to hit. Well, it, I'm optimistic. I share y'all's enthusiasm and excitement about this expenditure that has been authorized under the infrastructure law. Uh, I think the funds are in good hands. NOAA is the top agency, in my opinion, in the federal government, uh, scientifically grounded, incredibly experienced. You guys run great programs. Uh, the taxpayers in, in America get a lot of bang for the buck uh, from the NOAA community. And I uh, congratulate all of you on, uh, on this uh, confidence, vote of confidence that Congress and the country have, have put into the agency. I think it's thrilling. Um, the other thing that I'm optimistic about is we're, we're just talking here about NOAA funding stream, uh, but when you look around at uh, the American investment now in the ocean and coastal space, uh, the word of bill was passed just recently in the Senate uh, that uh, the Water Resources Development Act, substantial new expenditures in coastal investment through the Army Corps of Engineers, a uh, great deal of funding for restoration on shorelines and other uh, projects. Uh, we are all familiar with uh, the Gulf of Mexico Energy Security Act here on the American Shoreline podcast, the revenue sharing for offshore oil and gas revenues that, that really uh, are a financial foundation in the Gulf of Mexico, uh, ocean and coastal management programming, uh, and now being expanded, hopefully, to include wind power, the emerging wind power uh, royalty uh, sharing programs that are coming up. And of course, there's a lot of supplemental disaster funding still in the coastal pipeline from the many hurricanes that we've suffered in the U.S. over the last five to 10 years. So when I look around, um, Carrie, at what's happening on the American shoreline now, uh, in my 25 years of working in the industry, I have never seen the level of financial uh, resources available that uh, really set the stage for the country to make serious strides forward on coastal uh, management and coastal programming. Um, it's got to be a pretty exciting time for you guys at NOAA, but also for your 
your other federal partners who are putting some money on the table now. Absolutely, it really is. Um, and uh, because so many different um, federal agencies are receiving increased resources, um, we're really focused on making sure that we're synergistic um, and not duplicative. Um, and uh, it's, it's led to some great conversations with our sister federal agencies um, as well. You know, another thing that I'm really excited about for the future um, with all these new resources is we're thinking a lot about um, how to welcome new partners into our community, um, particularly um, new partners from underserved communities. So that's a, um, an emphasis for the Biden administration. Um, so one of our funding opportunities is actually just focused on habitat restoration and resilience grants for underserved communities. And what we're looking for are proposals um, that will bring underserved communities into our habitat restoration and um, resilient ecosystem and communities world. Um, and the funding is gonna provide capacity for them to more fully participate in developing habitat projects. Wow, um, I love that. Yeah. So making sure that they are integral to the visioning, the decision-making um, and the project development um, so that those underserved communities really benefit from all of this work that's happening. So this funding opportunity is um, up to $10 million um, and we're looking for, they're smaller projects, but it's between about 75,000 and a million dollars. Um, and that application period is open till the end of September. That's amazing. And you know what comes to mind, Peter? This is not a Habitat project, but uh, I'm reminded in this moment that we have investment being made and we're thinking about the shoreline not just as a natural space, but as a, a human social construct that includes uh, inequity. Uh, I'm reminded of mm -hmm. the Clotilda. And this is a ship, the, the last American slave ship, and man, would it be cool if somewhere in this in this round of investment we yeah, could find wow. some investment to to get that vessel preserved and and turned into a museum? Yeah, we're gonna that, that, that would be so <laughs> cool. Can we lobby for a project? No, because not, I love that. Just, I love no, I love that idea. We should like right now is the time. I mean, I, actually, that's a really good idea. You know, the Clotilda. I, we did a show on this with the uh, the Descendants Association. This was the last slave ship that came to the United States into Mobile Bay in 1861, I believe. Uh, kind of on a lark. Uh, it was uh, the transatlantic slave trade was was illegal at that time. And uh, but they sent a ship over to bring another load of uh, enslaved people to work in the South. Uh, but the remnants of that ship have been identified uh, and confirmed recently. There's an effort to for that to be part of a national marine sanctuary, perhaps, or some other historic uh, designation that would protect and tell the story of that wreck. Somewhere in this NOAA funding, there's got to be a chance. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. For that community, that, I think it's a great idea. I just, you know, I, I think that I, I'm really proud of the Biden administration for emphasizing uh, underserved communities mm -hmm. in our coastal management and our ocean management and um, really bringing that element to the table when we're talking about climate change. Right now. Uh, 
And so when I, you know, I don't know if it's possible, but I'm just putting it out there, ladies and gentlemen, if anybody out there uh, knows of a, of a little uh, category of funding that might be appropriate, we should, we should try to put that, them in touch with the Descendants Association. I, I think I'm a big fan of that. I think it's a great, it's an incredible story uh, that needs to be told. Um, Joelle, I, I'm just excited about about the investment and the, the fact that we may be turning a corner and getting serious about climate change. Uh, you've been at the agency now for quite a while and over your career. I'm just curious, uh, can you tell us a little bit about how the thinking and the understanding of climate change issues has evolved over your tenure at NOAA and reaching this point now where the investments are beginning to get on par with the problem it must be rather gratifying for you professionally, uh, given your tenure at the agency. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, uh, you know, we talked about the Coastal Zone Management Act at, at the beginning of our conversation, and the CZMA did reference um, impacts from sea level rise and anticipating sea level rise way back in the in 1972. Wow. You wow. Know, so I think the piece of legislation was ahead of its time. But But what's changed over... Um, my career at NOAA is certainly where we've gone from a place where we, um, our ability to understand and anticipate, project um, uh, risks from from sea level rise and and what that data, what those projections look like. Likewise, um, risks from flooding and flooding exposure. And again, the data and our ability to understand that um, at, at, uh, at different kind of time scales and, and different kind of um, uh, uh, levels of, of um, accuracy is we're in a much different place. So yes. our ability and NOAA's focus on ensuring that not only um, we're doing the science to understand and model um, all of that uh, better um, at a finer scale and working with our sister federal agencies um, to do that as well. And for us to focus on um, the service delivery to our partners, to all the industry and all of the users of this information across, across our nation um, is a huge focus of NOAA. Um, so that the change um, in all of that work and the science that NOAA does in partnership with other federal agencies and the work that, that my office, the Office for Coastal Management, is a part of in turning that information into tools um, that uh, managers, um, industry, and others can use to for planning purposes, um, has 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 been incredible. It's been an incredible body of work for NOAA, for sure. Carrie, uh, aside from the money, which now seems to be uh, coming through, what else do you need uh, to see these programs succeed? Uh, you mentioned expanding uh, partners, but uh, what what do you see as your as your greatest need now that uh, some funds are coming through? Well, I'd like to talk a little bit about um, what we call technical assistance. Um, 
So that's our people. Um, that's our people at NOAA um, who work with all of our partners to get this work done. And, you know, sometimes when we receive resources, it is just resources that go into our grant programs. Um, and it's not to fund our technical assistance um, and our people. Um, and so um, I'm really excited that in the Infrastructure Act, um, they specifically call out um, our technical assistance as something that should be funded through this program. Hmm. So that's something I'm laser focused on is making sure that anytime we get funding um, to go out the door in our grants programs, that we also get funding to support um, our programs that are instrumental towards the project's success. Hmm. So we have people in all of our coastal communities. Um, so we are not a centralized office. We are spread out all along our coasts um, so that our people are in those coastal communities um, where the work is happening. Um, and they have been for decades. Um, so we really see that as instrumental um, in working with partners and we bring technical expertise. So we have engineers, biologists, um, folks that can help with environmental compliance and permitting um, in those coastal communities to work with our partners to get the work done. Yeah, it's so important. Uh, having done a few uh, federal grants in my day, uh, they can be intimidating. So for a local community on the coast, maybe you've got a, a habitat restoration project you'd like to undertake. Uh, the local government, local stakeholders, environmental community people, um, when, you, when they look at these programs, it can be intimidating and daunting, and it's good to know, Carrie, that the agency has the kind of capacity to assist applicants. Uh, can you speak a little bit uh, about the application process and the kind of support uh, NOAA can offer to communities interested in uh, taking advantage of this, as you say, generational opportunity? Absolutely. So we have funding opportunities right now, and uh, if you just Google um, NOAA and infrastructure uh, pops our website. Um, there's more information for all of the funding opportunities there. And there are also specific um, emails um, that you can email folks and ask questions. Um, we will get you connected um, to someone who can talk to you about what funding opportunity makes sense based on your goals. Um, right. We know it can be a little intimidating, as you said. We also know it can be confusing because there are several different opportunities out there. So we will get you connected to the right people to talk through your project um, and which one makes the most sense for you. Um, so we are, we are there to work with you um, through that process. We can't write your application for you, right. um, but we certainly <laughs> can get you pointed in the right direction. Um, <laughs> to make sure uh, that you understand uh, the opportunity that's out there. Yeah. And I know Joelle in the Coastal Zone Management Planning uh, Program Universe, uh, there is a long and, and, and successful history of engagement with applicants and supporting communities participating in the Coastal Zone Management Program process. Uh, well, hold what, on. Hold on one second before you ask this question. Yeah. I'm going to give the audience out there a hot tip. Yeah, okay. If you're, if you're doing one of these grants, hot tip. Yeah, hot tip. Read the NOFO. <laughs> you're going to be told to read the NOFO You got to start with the NOFO, the Notice of Federal Funding Opportunity. You got to read the NOFO. You got to read the NOFO. If you don't read the NOFO, it's going to bite screwed. you in the butt. You're not going to get very far. Or you're going to like get on the phone <laughs> with one of these wonderful NOAA grant people, and they're going to ask you some questions, and you're gonna, they're going to say, well, did you read the 
Did you, you read the NoFo? Yeah, and you're, you're gonna, read... you want to say you did. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you. Yes, I think so that's so. my hot tip. That's the hot tip of the day. Start with the NoFo. <laughs> Joel, workshops for applicants have been a big part of the Texas Coastal Management Program we, we, when we were doing it. Uh, do you foresee uh, a, an increase in the outreach to uh, potential applicants uh, now that the money is more available? Oh, absolutely. And and like Carrie's office, um, and as you know, uh, Peter, we've we also our our office for coastal management also has um, staff in the places where our coastal partners are. Um, and that is just a keystone of how we operate and how we engage um, not only with our coastal zone management partners, but but with local government partners and emergency management partners and others. Um, I think for our reserve and CZM program partners, they're absolutely engaging um, with their networks to identify the best opportunities um, and proposals um, and needs uh, for this funding. Um, we're going to continue working with them to um, make sure that NOAA is doing all that we can do to help support all the work that they're doing um, with their own local partnerships. And uh, as part of that, wanted to, to hit and expand on one of the things that Carrie mentioned, uh, a $10 million um, a competitive opportunity focused on underserved communities. Um, similarly, we have encouraged in that NOFO, um, great place to start, completely agree. Um, we have encouraged our CZMA partners to um, uh, both directly partner and work uh, with organizations that support underserved communities and populations. So we're excited to be um, not only looking at the proposals um, that we have in hand, but also continuing to work with our CZMA partners over the course of these investments um, to help them um, continue to partner and engage with, with underserved communities. Uh, again, we want to figure out how to provide that technical assistance to our CZMA partners so, so they can do what they, what they do even better. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, absolutely necessary. Uh, Carrie, we're coming to the end and uh, we've there's so much uh, that it, that folks need to understand about this. I wondered if you might provide some final thoughts about where people should uh, begin in the search for understanding uh, these NOAA opportunities. Uh, what 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 are your closing thoughts? This is a once in a generation opportunity. However, it's um, spread out over five years. Um, so we don't have to figure it all out in year one. Um, so um, we really wanna meet our partners where they are. If you have a project that's ready to go and you're ready to apply for funding, great. We're excited to see your application. We're excited to talk to you about your ideas. Um, but if you're not quite ready this year, um, we're going to be here for five years um, with this historic level of funding. Um, so we're hoping, as Joelle said earlier, to keep learning. Um, so in year one, we're going to try some things. Um, we're going to see how it goes and we're going to learn and we're going to improve the process for next year. And we're going to keep funding uh, great work um, around our coasts. 
Absolutely great. Uh, well, what about from your perspective, uh, final thoughts kind of for the listeners out there, folks interested in taking advantage of the opportunities on the table now? Yeah, just just adding my excitement um, as well for this incredible opportunity. Um, we're so excited to continue our partnership with our with our CZM programs and our national estuarine research reserves around the nation. Um, I'll again emphasize that that our CZMA partners are also partnering partnering um, with local governments, with tribes, um, with underserved communities, and. Um, while the initial applications must come from our CZMA and, and reserve programs, we will also work directly um, with local governments, with tribal governments um, on the actual execution of funding, if that is the wish of, of our CZMA partners. So um, we're just so excited uh, about the opportunity. We're excited to um, continued our, our close partnership with our um, uh, our states and U.S. territories um, around the nation and uh, really looking forward to um, uh, all the outcomes that, that are on their way and that will come with, with this incredible investment. Yeah, a lot of, lot of reasons to be optimistic. And uh, we want to thank you both for joining us and uh, introducing our audience to the exciting funding opportunities now available at NOAA. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, it is Nicole LaBeouf, who's the Assistant Administrator for Ocean Services and Coastal Zone Management at the best federal agency in the U.S. government, NOAA. Joining us also, Joelle Gore, the Chief of the Stewardship Division, the Office for Coastal Management, and Carrie Robinson, the Director of the Office of Habitat Conservation. Uh, three incredible coastal professionals leading uh, key parts of this agency. Really want to thank all of you for joining us on the American Shoreline podcast and uh, opening the door to an exciting future, I believe, on the American Shoreline because of the efforts at the agency and because of what Congress did in the infrastructure uh, law. Fantastic. Thank you guys for joining us on the podcast. The beaches are sad to be